0: You know, there's hope this morning for people like me and you that I would like to label all of us as bumblers and boneheads. How many is a bumbler or a bonehead are sitting next to one who is? Don't you dare do this right now. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are not shy to say, yeah, my husband, I'm sitting right there. Yeah, I've been telling him for years now. So if today you are a bumbler or a bonehead, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for us today. Uh, if you mess up more than you succeed, if you kick yourself more often than you want to when it comes to your walk with Jesus, then you're in good company here today because today I want to offer hope to all of us bumblers and boneheads. By the way, how many spent some time with Jesus this week? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Like we talked about last week, if the question that we posed, how many how many of you would live your life differently if you knew that you had the authority of Jesus Christ living inside of you, which you do? And I actually touched on that it was Deputy, I said it was Deputy Dog, I realized later it was actually Droopy the Dog. Remember Droopy the Dog? If you missed last week's message, you're going to have to go back and listen to it, but it was Droopy the Dog, not Deputy Dog. But still, you got the point across, everybody seemed to understand that, so, anyway stand corrected. So I want to talk to you out of John chapter 13 is where we're going to start. But Simon Peter is a great example of one who is what we would call a bumbler and a bonehead. Um, He was really one of the more, probably the most entertaining of all the 12 disciples. If you uh, read about him in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he shows up a lot. And he shows up a lot in some really powerful ways some some ways that are more uh uh bold and daring and he really rose above the crowd of the rest of the guys in some pretty profound ways i mean he's the one that uh that that stepped out of the boat when jesus says come on out here and uh join me in the water i mean peter did that you know the rest of the disciples didn't get their feet wet but he got his feet wet he got some parts other parts of his body wet too but he's the only one that stepped out of the boat you know he also was the one that, when Jesus says, everyone is saying that I'm a prophet, I'm this, who do you say that I am? And Peter's the one that stood up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, you know, it's a pretty bold and forthright man. But at the same time as he he uh, did that, he also experienced some pretty low times in his life. And I want to look at that this morning with us. I, I really think that Jesus uh, thought that Peter most likely was most uh, was, Peter was Jesus' most high-maintenance challenge of the 12, I would imagine. And and I'm sure that there's some in here that Jesus is looking at us as well saying, you know, you're pretty high-maintenance, but I love you, and there's hope. So let's talk about this this morning. Uh, If you will, turn with me to John chapter 13. We're just gonna go through a few things, and I'm gonna talk to you, really kinda tell you a story this morning about uh, Peter, Simon Peter, and his interaction with not only Jesus, but also some other people. Uh, we serve such a merciful and loving Savior. I'm so thankful for His mercy and His love for us this morning. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen? Amen. So in John chapter 13, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory here. Because many of you know about the Last Supper, the, uh, uh, the Passover Supper that Jesus celebrated and, and commemorated with His disciples the evening before Jesus was crucified, and so as Jesus was talking about his crucifixion, the upcoming betrayal, the upcoming death, the upcoming things that were going to happen, and the disciples really didn't quite understand what he was talking about They like, say, really, what? are you speaking more figuratively here? But he was speaking literally, I'm getting ready to be betrayed, I'm getting ready to die, and uh, where I go, you can't go with me. And Peter's response was, well, where are you going? I want to go with you. And, and, and Jesus says, "You can't go with me. And Peter made this really bold statement, because that's what Peter did. He made these bold statements. Statements, and he says in John 13 37, he says, Not all I, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you, I will die for you. Amen. Pretty bold statement, it takes a lot to say that. And here's Jesus answering the very next verse Will you really? Will you really lay down your life for me? You see, Jesus knows this, doesn't he? He says, I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, meaning before the sun rises tomorrow morning. You're going to disown me and deny me three times. That's a lot to pack in to just a few hours. But that's what we're going to see is exactly what happened. Now, this probably rang in Peter's ears, kind of this unpleasant sort of sound that he uh, heard Jesus say those things. You're going to deny me three times. Probably rang in his ears like some, some off-key singer that, you know, he's going, oh, It's awful. But off they went from the, uh, from the Last Supper and then they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the story where he, he spent some time in prayer and he took his disciples with him. And there was Jesus praying in the garden and if you fast forward from John 13 to John chapter uh, 18, there's a prayer that takes place in 14 ch- verses, chapters 14, 15, 16. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on that Jesus is praying and there's a lot of, a lot of great stuff you need to read about it. The, the, the prayer of Jesus and the heart cries of Jesus. But as he was praying in the garden, Judas, we know the story, came with the uh, division of of Roman soldiers, along with the religious leaders, and he was coming to betray Jesus and to turn him over to, to the authorities. And so Judas comes up, kisses Jesus on the cheek to identify Jesus as the man that they had come to arrest. And certainly, We know here comes Peter again, right? And he takes his sword out of his sheath and he takes a swing. And when he took the swing, he swung and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus, we know, put that ear back on, which to me, if I were one of them soldiers, if I was that guy, if I was any of them, I'd be going like, okay, now that's awesome. What am I doing here? I'm gonna be on your side. But they just, you know, it's like, oh yeah, ear healed off, whatever. and he and so Peter said, almost probably, I'm sure in his mind, he was thinking, see, Jesus, I told you, I would lay down my life for you. I cut off that guy's ear. But Jesus' response back to Peter was, put your sword away and let this play out as God intended. Well, not to be deterred, off Jesus goes, arrested, and John and Peter follow behind. And they follow them to... Uh, to the uh, To the place where Jesus was getting ready to be falsely accused and tried and sentenced to death, and i 'm sure peter thought well i 'm going to have more opportunities here I mean that didn 't work so hot, but I still got my sword and I'm, I'm waiting for an opportune time to lay down my life for my my savior my my friend. but as he got closer, he and john to to this confine where Jesus was being taken, he saw the gathering crowds, he, he heard the, the angry mob, he heard the discussions and the, the, the turmoil that was going on, as he got closer to it it, 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 it appeared, based on the rest of the story, that his resolve and his boldness melted into some sort of fear and some sort of cowardice. Now, if you read the story in John chapter 18, somehow, John knew and had some connections to the people on the inside... If you know anything about how it was laid out, there was the there was the building. There was this outer. There was just kind of this inner court and this sort of a gate around it, and then the outer court. And so John was able to go into the inner gate along with several of the other people, uh, but Peter was pushed off out to the side, so you can't come in. So John, as realizing he got separated from his comrade Peter. He turned around, if you read John chapter 18, it says that he turned around and turned to one of a little servant girl, probably no more than 14 maybe years old, who knows, 12 years old, just a little girl, not intimidating at all, not a big strong man, not an angry person, just a little servant girl who was assigned that night to be in charge of the gate. And John turned to the little girl and said, would you mind letting Peter in? He's with me. Well, they knew that John was a disciple. John wasn't ashamed of it. He wasn't afraid. And so, hey, let my friend in here. And so the servant girl opened up the gate. And as she was opening up the gate to let Peter in, she says, aren't you one of the disciples? Again, Peter, fisherman, strong dude, pretty rough around the edges, you know, really? Bold, daring. I mean probably rough hands, he could get into fight, and he did, he was a scrappy guy, right? But he cowered down to this little 12-year-old girl, whatever. And he said, no, I'm not. That's amazing to me. That's amazing that he would cower down. Now, how could this same Peter, this same Peter who had experienced a miraculous catch of fish, at the revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. How could this same Peter, who saw Jesus multiply loaves and fishes to thousands, not just once, but twice, how could this same Peter see a blind man receive his sight from Jesus, see a lame man walk again, a demonically possessed freed people from their evil bondage, who saw with his own eyes Lazarus raised from the dead after three days in the tomb, and he, boy, he stinketh. How could Peter, who walked with Jesus, the Son of God, lived in his shadow for three years and experienced all that life-changing relationship stuff that came with him walking with Jesus? How could Peter, who just hours earlier said that he would lay down his life for Jesus, now shrink back and deny to a lowly servant girl that he even knew Jesus? Now, here's the thing. On top of that, the servant girl already knew the answer. It was more of a rhetorical question. She knew that she was with that, that Peter's with John. She knew she she was just letting Peter in so he could catch up to John. And everyone in the house knew that John was a disciple. It's almost like that game show. Have you ever watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Like Peter used his lifeline on the easiest of all answers. Like what's one plus one? A two. B Elvis Presley three strawberries or four the color blue oh i don't know let's see one plus one it could be elvis Uh, can i just call my my mathematician friend i mean they know the answer wasted the answer easy answer slam dunk so one down two to go and i promise you peter that it's not going to get any easier so Jesus was facing these false accusers inside and going through this mockery of a trial. Peter was warming himself around a fire in the courtyard. They let him in. And it was this dark, cold night where many people were gathered around this, this fire. And as he was warming himself, there was this other voice on the other side of the fire, this night glow of the fire. He couldn't really make it out who it was, but he says, hey, aren't you, aren't you one of those disciples of Jesus? Now, geez, uh, Peter probably thought to himself, who asked that? Okay, now I've got to be really strategic here because I'm not sure who this person is. I can't really tell who this person is in the fire glow. I mean, I hear a voice. Is it a friend or a foe? I better play it safe. And he says, I am not. And he said it more forcefully. And in fact, some of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of the versions of it says that he cursed. So put your own curse word in there and say no. And that's what he did. So he was just kind of making a point there. Now, you'd think that he would have taken that opportunity to redeem himself. But once you've melted it before a lowly servant girl, everybody after that looks like Conan the Barbarian, I guess, if you're afraid. So there he was. Two denials down and one fateful denial to go. So far, what Jesus predicted is coming true. Finally, this third opportunity came later in the evening. This opportunity to prove Peter's loyalty and devotion to Jesus came, and this time the question came from a relative of the servant of the high priest who had his ear cut off. He was actually there. He says, I I think I recognize you. Now, this guy could be trouble, right? I I think I recognize you. Didn't I see you with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in in that olive grove? And again, Peter feeling as if he'd kind of been painted in a corner. He, he kind of responded like, a, like a, an animal, like a caged animal, like a, a, a cornered animal. And he more forcefully uh, drove his point home by cursing and saying, I do not belong to him. Wow. And at that very moment, the rooster crowed. And at that very moment, a despondent Peter realized that he had thrown away this great future that he'd been dreaming of and living out just hours before. And that should have been the end for Peter, shouldn't it? I mean, if you were God, wouldn't you have said, you know what? I have given you so many chances here. I think I'm going to move on to the next person. It's almost like the, some angel with a clipboard up in heaven called it out, next. But that wasn't the end for Peter. See, we, we have the convenience and the luxury of reading the rest of his story, don't we? God didn't shut the door and write off this hot-headed, speak-before-you-think, hot-then-cold-then-hot-again, boneheaded bumbler. And that gives all of us bone-headed bumblers hope for today, doesn't it? Because after Jesus was crucified and after he rose again from the dead, one of the first things on Jesus' to-do list was to go back to Peter and redeem him, to restore him. And we know that he did. Jesus did just that. And just weeks after Jesus uh, did that, he gave the Great Commission, which we looked at last week. Then he tells him to wait in Jerusalem. Don't you go anywhere until... The Holy Spirit comes and ascends, uh, and ascends upon you. And then after he said that, don't go until the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus ascends to heaven. And then a few days later, the day of Pentecost came. We all know that story found in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were all gathered in the upper room. They were waiting just like Jesus told them to. And then the Holy Spirit came as promised and filled them all. And they all began to speak, with, speak about the glorious goodness of God in various languages as the Holy Spirit inspired and enabled them, and it drew this massive crowd. Acts chapter 2, read about it. And they all wondered what this was all about, And, 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 and as they were asking this question, who do you imagine stepped up to the plate and answered them? Now, I vote for John at this point. Let me think about it. John was the youngest, but he was also arguably the most loyal and dependable of the disciples. After all, John was consistent. He was unafraid. And he really had a grasp on this whole love of God stuff that Jesus was was teaching. It was John who stayed in the courtyard the night of Jesus' betrayal. John was unafraid of anyone knowing his relationship with the man that was on trial. And it was John who stood at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother, loyally staying by Jesus' side, To Jesus very last breath and it was John who also was the first to race to the empty tomb after Jesus rose again he realized Jesus wasn't there anymore but he's risen from the dead it was John I'd vote for John but it wasn't loving loyal dependable John who stood up to address the crowd that day it was the bumbling boneheaded denying impetuous Peter who apparently never missed an opportunity To potentially fall all over himself and stick his foot in his mouth and make a fool of himself. But something had changed in Peter. What was different? The same man who couldn't find his voice before a lowly servant girl began to speak with a clarity and boldness that knew no fear. Gone was the defeated Peter who was afraid and ashamed to be even associated with Jesus. And standing before the crowd was this changed man who now boldly proclaimed Jesus in Acts 2 verse 36 when, when, when Peter said, This same Jesus whom you crucified has both been made Lord and Christ by God the Father. We know that to be true. We say amen to that. We agree to that. We live that out. That's who we place our faith in today. But the point is not that Jesus is Lord today, which is true. But the point is is that Peter was not ashamed to declare it. Peter was not ashamed to connect himself to Jesus. Peter was not afraid anymore to declare, as I'm declaring from this pulpit, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is my Savior. He is our soon coming King. We agree to this. We amen to this. But there's something different between Peter before in the courtyard around the fire camp and that same that next Peter, that Peter that we read about in Acts 2.36 that was standing before those same people that he had denied Jesus Jesus to just weeks before. That same crowd he was saying, this is the Son of God. I believe in Him. This same Jesus that you crucified has been made, made Lord. And Christ, by God the Father, what was the difference? What was the difference, folks? It's the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? It's the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? It's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? The Holy Spirit came and filled not only all those in the upper room, but Peter was also in that upper room. The Holy Spirit filled him, and the Holy Spirit empowered him to speak. The words that Peter spoke that day were not his own words. Because Peter's own words would be, I don't even know who he is. But the Holy Spirit's words through Peter were, he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He is Lord and King. The words that Peter spoke in that sermon in Acts chapter 2 were the words that the Holy Spirit empowered him, spoke through him as Peter yielded himself to the Holy Spirit. As Peter preached that ser- that sermon that day, the very first sermon of the church, by the way, in Acts 2.37, their response was, what must we do to be saved? Something happened in Peter's life from the time that he denied Christ around the campfire to the time he stood before that crowd. And today I say to you, that it's the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference in our lives as it did in Peter's life. And as we open up our mouths and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us, and we're not necessarily preaching like Peter did, although we could, and we should, and we might want to, but we live our lives before people, and we share Jesus with people. And as we live our lives before people, and we're sharing Jesus Christ with people, they will come to us and say, what must I do to be saved? We know what happened that day. 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were filled with that same Holy Spirit. And the church that we are part of today was birthed at that moment. Amen. And it's never stopped, by the way. And it never will stop because the church is going to live on forever in heaven one day. The bride of Christ. So remember last week, we looked at how Peter and John were heading to the temple to pray. And this man that was lame from birth said, hey, you got some money for me? And Peter turned to him. Peter turned to him. It was Peter who turned to him, filled with the Holy Spirit, and said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give up to you. Take up your bed and walk. What if you knew that you had the authority of Jesus Christ living in you? How would it change your life today? I asked that last week. I'll ask it again. We know that the religious leaders didn't like what he did. They hauled Peter and John into their building again, into their place where they meet. In essence, they said, stop doing that or else. Kind of a vague threat. Peter and John walked out of that room saying, hey, you know what? We're going to do what we're going to do. And went back to the believers wherever they were gathered and made the report. This is what happened. This is how we responded. And we're going to give God praise and glory because he's in control and he's all powerful. And we're still going to keep doing what we're doing. And everyone rejoiced. And And we read at the end of that chapter, chapter 4, verse 31. It says, after they prayed, after they rejoiced, after they heard the report, after they were seeking the Lord, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It wasn't an earthquake that took place. It was the power of the Holy Spirit again. And think about this last line here, this last sentence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. They were filled initially, and they were continuing to be filled. And what was the result of them being filled with the Holy Spirit? they spoke the word of God boldly. Anything could have been described there. They could have said, and they went out and made a bunch of money. And they went out and got some great position and great influence in the community. Lots of power to make decisions for the community. And they went out and laughed all the time. They went out and just... Were joyful and nothing ever happened that's rolled off their back and they were happy. No, it could have said all kinds of things as to why they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But the word of God is very intentional. So keep this in mind as you see this sentence again. Why is it that as they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wanted us to know, the author of God's word wanted us to know, that they, as a result of that, directly as a result of that, spoke the word of God boldly. That's exactly what happened to Peter, by the way. Peter, not filled with the Holy Spirit, hanging around the campfire, denied Christ three times, one of them to a lowly servant girl. The very first one. You'd think the easiest of the three, by the way. I don't know him. That same guy, same guy, just a few days later, when he got filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit was speaking boldly the word of God. Yeah. In other words, what happened to Peter in Acts 2, 4, that transformed their lives happened again in Acts 4, and it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again, and it happened again, and it it kept happening. And that's what the Lord desires for us as well, that We walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. No longer was Peter ashamed. No longer was he afraid. No longer was he not wanting to associate himself with the name of Jesus Christ. No longer was he denying Jesus before men. But he was gladly associating himself with Jesus. He was proudly embracing the cause of Christ. He was boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel to anyone who would listen. You know, this transformation from this bumbling, bonehead man named Peter to this bold man that he became pivoted at the moment that he experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which empowered him to be the man that Jesus saw in him all along. And the same goes for you and for me. For all of us today. As we spend time with Jesus. As I encouraged you last week. And we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. To empower us. To move from bumbling to brave. From boneheaded to bold. (laughs) From fearful to faith filled. You know. Jesus is perfecting us today. Through his Holy Spirit. It's called sanctification. He's working in us. More of him. And working out of us. More of us. I don't want. Any of me in me. I want more of Jesus in me. How about you? The Holy Spirit is the one who does that. He, he's, he's, he's sanctifying us. He's perfecting us. And we're never going to be perfect on this earth. But we must always be willing to be perfected. Amen? As you continue to read the story of Peter, he still had some issues, by the way. You think, wow, Peter never made a mistake after that. He was perfect. wrong now, he made some mistakes. He was not perfect at all. But he was being perfected. But boy, that was a huge step for him that day. The Holy Spirit wants to perfect us. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, by the way. There's these. You ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness. All those things. Those are the character qualities of Christ. And he works he wants to work those things in us. But sometimes... There's not room in there because we're working with hate and unforgiveness and anger and fear and all of that. Lord, God, take that stuff away from me. I don't want to function in fear. I don't want to function in unforgiveness. I don't want to be angry all the time. You know, I want to I be gentle. I want to be kind, good. I want to be peace-filled and joy-filled. Doesn't that sound better to live that way? That, those are the character qualities of Jesus. That's the fruit of his spirit. That's who he is. And as we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and give Him place, He deals with that fear and that unforgiveness and that anger and that, all that stuff that's in there that's just flesh, it's us. And it's going to rise up and try to battle against the spirit man inside of us. But we say, oh, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, I don't want to walk in unforgiveness. I don't want to walk in fear. I don't want to walk in, in anger. I don't want to walk in these things that are, that are fleshly, that are not a bet, the best representation of you. So Holy Spirit, not only empower me, to boldly preach but also empower me to boldly represent you which is a form of preaching right so that people can come up to you and say what must i do to be saved like you are to live a life like you you're not living a perfect life i get that but when things happen to you when you're struggling when things hit you broadsided it doesn't knock you off your it doesn't knock you off your game There's something different about you when someone does something that would normally make Me, angry, you just say, Lord, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That sort of stuff, you know? Not all the time, but most of the time, we're working towards that. We're being perfected, right? So, yeah, let's spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Those four words last week, I hope that you've been prioritizing your time with the Lord this week and making, giving it your best day, your best time, right? Your best part of your day. But also, let me add this one more ingredient to yielding to the Holy Spirit and being constantly, daily, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as I spend time with you today, is our prayer. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. What a great prayer. What a great great request. What a great need that we have. What a wise invitation that you make. Lord, I I prioritize you, and I invite your Holy Spirit that will empower me to be bold in my life, in my proclamation, in my representation of you today. I need it today. I need it every day. How about you? How about you? Yeah? So Peter, it, it, We know that Peter spent three, three years with Jesus. But it, it was only after he was filled with the Holy Spirit that Peter moved from The old Peter to the new Peter. Allowing the Holy Spirit to perfect him. To to change him. To work in him. And to be used for the glory of God. To further God's kingdom. And, and, And it's our turn today folks. There's nothing new under the sun here. The plan is still the same. The church is plan A and there's no plan B. Jesus says through my church. I will declare the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel through you, not corporately necessarily, but also individually. So let's open up our mouths, but I'm afraid, okay, then let's ask the Holy Spirit to give you boldness. I don't know what to say. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words to say. I don't have time. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help you prioritize and fit that in. I don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit does. Just make yourself available. I don't think Peter woke up that morning thinking, I'm going to preach to thousands of people today and the church is going to be birthed. He just made himself available. I don't think that he was walking to the temple that day and say, I'm going to pray for that guy there, and he's going to take up his bed and walk. No. But as he was going, he yielded the Holy Spirit. So, you know, there's hope today for us bumblers and boneheads. I'm so thankful. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with me. And that hope is found in our willingness to yield to the Holy Spirit to be filled with him. Chris, I'd like you to come up and grab the guitar. I'd like for everybody to stand up with me this morning. Um, And for those of you who are watching here online uh, today as well, um, I ask you to do the same thing. If you're seated, maybe just stand up, kind of as an act of, okay, something different is about to happen here. Just ask you to just stand, if you will, just for a moment or two. And if you need a, a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, This is entirely scriptural by the way oh I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 20 years old you may say okay good Um, I also got some gas in my car last week but I drove it around and I need to get some more gas I also ate yesterday but I'm hungry today right the Word of God talks about being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event but it's an ongoing activity in our lives it's a constant need to be filled because the world gets in there right Flesh gets in there. We get complacent. We think, well, I'm just going to coast into glory. Stop. It's not wise. It's not God's will. You have the breath of life in you today. Then He wants to fill you again today with the Spirit to give you the boldness, the words, the desire, all that you need. Send me that light and that salt for Him today. Don't look to the pastor or some evangelist or anybody else that has some sort of title in front of them, we all have a pulpit in front of us today. And we all are living our lives as a representation, as an ambassador for Jesus Christ in our workplaces, at our school, and everywhere we go. When you're watching the Super Bowl tonight, don't ask the Lord. Don't feel the need to ask. Don't say or do anything that makes you have to ask God to forgive you later. That's probably what I'm trying to say. Yeah, be a good witness tonight. Right. Um, tomorrow as you're driving and going to work going to school running your errands and you meet up with that rude person that angry person that unpleasant person that person who is disrespectful to you don't return it in kind Christ-like see the Holy Spirit can help you with that pastor I don't know how to be that way the Holy Spirit does Pastor, I just want to, I just want to get even. Yeah, I know, I get it. But that's you. The Holy Spirit wants to wants to restore, to redeem, to rescue, to be bring people to Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. I mean, Peter could have let him have it. And he kind of did speak boldly, didn't he? But he was always pointing people to Jesus. He's speaking the truth in love. I just want to encourage you today, wherever you're here watching this one. Online or you're here today, I want to just ask you if every day this week, I'm adding this to last week, you know, you start getting into a habit, get into a routine, get into a, a lifestyle. Spending time with Jesus, spend time with Jesus. Four words that'll change your life. But add to that, and when you do, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. Every day, as part of your talk with Him, Holy Spirit. I'm a bonehead, I'm a bumbler, I messed up yesterday, I shouldn't have said it, I shouldn't have done it, I shouldn't have denied you, I'm sorry. But today is a new day. There's nothing I can do about yesterday, but I can do something about today, and I will yield to you. Take my tongue, take my ears, my eyes, take my, my body, take my abilities, take my past, my present, my future, my possessions, everything, I give it to you. Holy Spirit, fill me today. I want to be a representative. I want to be a representative of you today in the best possible way. Fruit of the Holy Spirit, rise up in me and let me be part of the solution in someone's life, a blessing in someone's life, pointing people to you in everything that I say and do. That's that's a great prayer. It's It's just from your heart. The Holy Spirit can help you with it. You don't ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You're going to deny Jesus more than you don't just like Peter did around the campfire. Let's not be campfire Christians. Let's be upper room Christians, right? Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, I, I lift up my hands to you in surrender. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just needing more of you. And this is a, a familiar message to us. We know the story of Peter and how he denied you. We, we understand. How you redeemed him and brought him back and how he spoke boldly but lord I, I pray that today this simple truth would be a revelation to us that it's not just wow that's interesting but wow i want that in my life too so lord i lift up my hands to you we lift up our hands to you and surrender not only surrender but also as an act of receiving pour your holy spirit into us again if you need a fresh and filling of the holy spirit Just lift up your hands and say, I receive it now. I mean, it's just an outward sign. There's nothing magical about lifting up your hands. It's just an outward act of surrender. It kind of also creates this sort of this spigot for him to pour it into as well, right? Just pour it in. Bring it on in here. Bring it on in, Holy Spirit. I need you to fill every cavern of my being with you. I need you to consume me. Every cell of every fiber of my being, fill me up with your Holy Spirit saturate me to overflowing let it pour out of me i don't want to just get filled up i want to get filled to overflowing this morning and let whatever you want to do splash out from me and get oh everybody wet with who you are holy spirit fill us we receive from you a fresh and filling that will give us the boldness that we need to live our lives before man that we won't be ashamed before man that we would not deny you before men your word says that if we're ashamed of you before men you'll be ashamed of us before the father if we deny you before men you're going to deny us before the father we don't want that to happen lord we need your boldness we need to not be ashamed to associate ourselves as a born again christian as a as a as a believer in jesus christ the Savior of the world, let, let us not be ashamed, Lord God, to, 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 to put our flag in the ground and stake our claim to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Lord, that we wouldn't cower down, that we wouldn't shrink back, that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't give in to a little, little, little servant girl, figuratively speaking, or, or even to someone that's even more powerful than that, that can do something to us. Lord God, we thank you that you're going to give us boldness today to not shrink back, but to stand firm and to not just be on the defensive and just stand firm, but also to move forward in you, to go on the offensive and and, and, and to let folks know that you are the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the Savior of our souls, our soon-coming Redeemer. You shed your blood for our, for our sins. You, your shed was blood so that we could be cleansed uh, from our sins. We thank you for that. We can be restored back to right relationship with God the Father. We thank you for that. May we not be ashamed to associate ourselves with you and ashamed to, to speak this out. But God, give us, give us the simple words to say, to say, Jesus loves you and so do I. Let me tell you about what he's done in my life. God, we all have a testimony. Help us to not be afraid to speak it out. Boldly, Holy Spirit, fill us today. And then tomorrow, fill us again. And then tomorrow after that, fill us again. And then the next day after that, fill us again. And every day, Lord, fill us again. We need a fresh and filling every day. As we spend time with you in your word and in prayer and in worship, Holy Spirit, uh, we ask that you would also fill us, fill us, fill us every day. So that we can be bold believers bold proclaimers, bold representatives, authentic and loving before mankind. This world is in desperate need of a savior. There's so much anger. There's so much division. There's so much confusion. There's so much despair. I thank you, God, that you're the antidote to all of that. You bring hope. You bring peace. You bring love. You bring joy. You bring forgiveness. Jesus, we know this. Give us the boldness to speak it out to those that are desperately in need.